The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, stop submitting knock-knock joke work items to your manager and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan, here to announce show number 250, the Team System Panel, with guests Mike Azakar, Stephen Borg, Joel Semeniuk, and Doug Seven, recorded live Thursday, June 7, 2007. At TechEd 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now bring the VB.NET Masterclass on site for your development team. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.telerik.com Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who's noticing a plethora of veggie oil burning cars from North Carolina on eBay, Carl Franklin. Hi, this is Carl Franklin. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. I'm glad I could be here with you today. And uh, I'm here on the east coast of the United States, right in between Boston and New York, New London, Connecticut. My partner out there in British Columbia, Mr. Campbell. Beautiful British Columbia to you, sir. Well, I don't know what the weather's like out there, but today it is gorgeous here, and it's been gorgeous all week. Uh, fabulous here as well. Yeah, last summer wasn't as nice. I mean, this is we're having a very, very nice uh, summer here. It's still early in the summertime season, too. So, Richard, let's just get into uh, Better Know Framework here. Right. What's our framework class today? Well, Richard, I didn't pick a class this week. It was picked for me. In fact, it's a namespace. It's all about system threading. A guy named Daniel Peterson sent in this email as a suggestion to read for the Better Know Framework, and uh, it's all about threading. So he says, there are seven synchronization primitives available in system threading. Monitor, mutex, semaphore, interlocked, auto-reset event and manual reset event, which is one, reader-writer lock, and wait handle. They can be organized into three groups based on their implementation origin, for the CPU, we have interlocked. For the CLR, we have monitor and reader-writer lock. And for the kernel, we have mutex, semaphore, the reset events, and wait handle. Now, in the CPU category, synchronization primitives based on CPU instructions 
require real threading gurus. Now, that's only the interlocked uh, primitive for uh, system.threading. So this is the only one that works directly against the CPU. Right. However, even modest threaders can utilize methods such as interlocked.increment to reduce their locking overhead. And interlocked is where you can increase or decrease numeric values that might be uh, shared across threading boundaries. He says methods like compare exchange can be used to implement additional locking primitives or even lock-free programming, which is interesting. Which is really, this whole conversation is about methods for simultaneous execution where you don't collide with each other. That's right. And chances are you're not going to collide, but you have to prepare for that one in a million situation when it is going to happen. So in the CLR category, uh, this is for high-performance in-process synchronization. The monitor, which the sync lock word and the sync word uh, keyword are basically implementations of monitor, it's great for the high-performance locking, but it has a twist. It isn't fair. Therefore, threads are not served in the order as they arrive, and this can lead to starvation and other nasty bugs. Starvation is an interesting concept, starving code. I think it's the only thing you really start code of is processing cycles, and that's exactly what he's complaining about. Right. And this is interesting. It's like a little mini sort of threading lecture, isn't it? Yeah, it's it cool. is. And it's interesting to think about you know these different categories. We talk about CPU and CLR, which are really opposites. I mean, CPU is as close to the metal as you can get. Exactly. CLR is a long way up. But that's where we live. We live yeah, in the CLR. It's closer to where we live. Right. But that also means that it's probably slower, more contentious, and more specific to a given environment. Right. Fortunately, only the monitor and reader-writer lock are in that, uh, are in that category. Um, the kernel, however, has really slow but global uh, features. Any of these objects can be used to synchronize between processes. And each of them are actually based on a kernel object and a call to Win32's wait for single object or wait for multiple objects. The wait for whatever, XYZ, is exposed to .NET through the wait handle class, the wait one, wait all, wait any methods, and it can therefore be used to implement additional synchronization between processes. And that is our better know framework for the day. And it makes sense to me, of course, the kernel has the most choice as far as threading is concerned because that's generally where threading lives. Right. And now, uh, you know, I hope this has at least inspired you to look into the threading features in the .NET framework. Uh, certainly, you know, experience is what it's all about here. And Daniel's obviously put some time into the space. Yes. I have an email as well from an old friend of ours, Iandy Rahim. Iandy! Yes, he was actually commenting on the Spring Show. Ah. And he said... After listening to the show about Spring, I wanted to bring up that Aspect Sharp is now dead and is no longer being actively maintained, but aspect-oriented programming capabilities can be had using the Dynamic Proxy and Windsor. I have a screencast showing you how to reproduce the PNP policy injection block using Windsor in 40 minutes. I love it when Iandy just solves the problem by saying, this is how you do it. <laughs> and I'll give you the link. It's at shrinkster.com slash QBP. So Quebec, bravo, papa. And that's pointed to Iandy's blog where he writes all about, hey, this is how you do policy injection with Windsor, which is his other set of libraries. All right. Well, um, the, as far as code camps go, as we mentioned on Tuesday, we're keeping a list of them on the website. So go to .netrocks.com to look at the code camps. And since Tuesday, we haven't had any uh, new additions. So there you so go. That's all we're going to say about that. That's it. 
So this show, Richard, is the show we did at Virtual Tech Ed, at the Virtual Tech Ed booth at Tech Ed 2007, of course, in Orlando. And this was one of those panel discussions that we organized. Right. This is the virtual team system discussion. Yes, the team system panel. It's all about team system. This was a great panel, and uh, let's just roll the tape. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to the .NET Rocks uh, team system panel discussion here at Tech Ed 2007 in Orlando, Florida. How are you doing, Richard Campbell? I am well, enjoying the virtual Tech Ed stage. Yes, it's small, but it's cozy. Yeah, it's cozy. We draw a nice group of people, and then we have our panelists. So, panelists, why don't you introduce yourselves? Let's start close. Mr. Semenyuk. Yeah, my name is Joel Semenyuk. I'm a Microsoft Regional Director, MVP in Team System. Just wrote a book on management, uh, project management with Team System. It's in the bookstore. Go buy it. Um, here to talk about now. some good stuff today. <laughs> How about after the session? Yeah, right, after. <laughs> tell your mom, tell your friends. Thanks, Joel. Doug? Doug Seven, uh, Senior Development Lead at Microsoft, using Team System daily. I always have to have one guy with a blue badge up here, one Microsoft guy, because we need somebody to beat up. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Consider me your punching bag for the day. Thank you, Doug. Steve? <laughs> My name's Stephen Borg from Accentient. We do Team System Development day in, day out. And a troublemaker, as uh, everybody's quite aware. And a troublemaker yeah. on occasion. Well, that's what we look for in a panelist, actually. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike Azakar, uh, Sujeti Software. Or Sujeti, not software, I guess. The software architects was before. We just got purchased recently, so. Oh. Uh, author of the uh, lightweight scrum process templates. Uh, work with a lot of the product group guys on a daily basis. And again, doing scrum and uh, VSTS daily. Excellent. So I got four different companies, one of them being Microsoft, all involved with Team System in a serious way, making materials and so forth. And I just have this sneaky suspicion there's some disagreement in this group about where to go on it. Well, I'm wondering what we're going to talk about. I mean, Team System isn't necessarily a new product. Uh, 2005. You know? well, so we know what it is. If you don't know what it is, you're probably an auto mechanic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and listening to a podcast. And listening to a podcast on .NET. So... What are we possibly going to talk about here? Well, I know where I'd start, which is I think the biggest conflict within the RD program, we talked about this as well, which is, is team system only for big teams? I've always thought the weak spot of team system was the, the five-person or the, the nine-person development shop. Are they supposed to be using this product? Of course they are. Oh, Doug. Everybody, even auto mechanics should be Every, using it. Even auto mechanics should be using it. <laughs> Jim Newkirk just recently had his... Uh, his BMW in the shop because it needed a software upgrade. So hopefully Team system using for auto mechanics. Team That's systems. the skew that was <laughs> The auto mechanic edition. <laughs> I'd say skew. yes, it does need to be down into a team of, of nine people or a small team. It can definitely be used at that level. What would you say is a small team, Steve? I'd say anywhere from about five to nine. Five to Below nine? that, the communication can probably just occur face-to-face. Because they're all and in the same room. They're all in the same well, room. I've, I've, still, I've still seen it used on even smaller teams than that just because mm-hmm. it's a tracking system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they just want to track the stuff that they're, uh, they're working on. Joe, they have good communication. You're the guy famous for the fact that he wrote the who did this code the for teams. did this. Show blame yeah. utility. Show blame. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, it is really true. You wrote a utility that works with team system. They'll literally tell you who wrote what line well, of code. And then, and then Microsoft also wrote uh, a similar utility called Annotate and included it into, into the Power Tools as well. Fits right inside of Visual Studio. You can literally say who wrote each line of code. Each line of code. Yeah. And when they wrote it. And when they and wrote when. it. Yeah. The Mine did some similar utility. stuff. So yeah, it seems to me that the development of Team System was going on as this sort of 
agile XP revolution was in full swing, and we see you know just the, the lag in timing. Some of those XP you know agile tools didn't make it in the box, but uh, some did. So what do the what do the agile people think about team system these days generally? I'll jump in here. All there's right. a lot of uh, there's a lot of thought on both sides of the issues. Um, I believe it can be used as an agile tool, but there are people that that stand on the other side saying the tool itself is we don't want to track this data. We don't want to have this historical data. We yeah. want to just keep things tight as a team. Um, I believe they're mistaken. And probably many of the people here believe they're mistaken as well. But I believe they're mistaken on a couple fundamental reasons. The first being that traceability. I want to be able to look at my velocity over time, but not just my velocity in terms of the number of hours that my team has spent working on certain things, but how much of that is rework, how much of that is bugs, how much of that is, is dealing with things, interacting with a customer or creating documentation. I want to be able to track that even in a small team. And Team System allows me to do that without impacting the developer in a heavy way. I don't have to go to a developer and say, every half an hour, fill out this timesheet. What did you do this half right. an hour? There's it just tracks it behind well, the scenes. And that's the thing, right? The, the agility is not about the tool that you use as much as it's about the communication. It's about, the, like you said, the traceability. Uh, you know, and the tool just enables that. So things like tying check-ins to work items and following work items through the process and, and other parts of team system that have nothing to do with work item tracking, but things like unit testing uh, functionality and tying it to team system for builds and, and things like that. That's what it, agility is about. It's not about, about you know, does this tool have this button that when I click it does this thing. It's about does it enable the communication? Does it enable my team to work better together? Well, and part of enabling, though, is allowing things to snap in and to plug in. And yeah, Team System does a really good job of certainly. doing that. Yeah, we've really found that Team System is fairly agnostic in terms of where it, where it operates. Where we found that it really excels in is during that, that monitoring and control piece. Uh, so, you know, once we've discovered what our... What our you know what our work items are. It's really great in tracking you know the current state without any effort whatsoever. Right. Where I found that uh, when I work with agile teams is that it it doesn't play a great as great a role in the discovery phase where you're s continually refactoring your requirements and you don't quite know what you're building yet and you're still doing t a tremendous amount of whiteboarding sessions. So what we end up doing is doing a lot of that stuff outside a team system. Yeah. Uh, using agile practices, using the whiteboards, using those stickers, using the cards, and then when we've kind of come to a stabilization of what we feel we think we're going to build in that in that sprint or that iteration, then we dump it into team system where we can effectively track it. So do you think it's team system's job to do what it does best and allow for these other things to just integrate nicely with it? That's what I think I Absolutely. Hear you I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't Im impose any rules on, on how we actually run our project. It's, it's a really great repository, and from that gives us reflective feedback on what our processes actually look like. Does, does it work well with continuous integration systems? Does we, it work at all yeah, with continuous integration yeah. systems? Like, not see, out of the box. One guy yeah. shaking his head, box, one guy right. nodding. So. It, well, yeah. it certainly can um, in the current version, not out of the box. Right. Okay. It's, but it's a yeah, free download. So you can go to Team System yeah. Widgets. There's five different, five different ones. And you can click on any of those, and they'll just install them, and they'll continuous right. integration will be yeah. right there. Just well, a couple what of does integration that mean, steps. I mean, what does that mean? For instance, that there's a tool called Automaton, and you okay. just simply install that on your server, and it goes ahead and watches for check-ins on particular branches that you identify in a okay. web GUI, mm -hmm. and map those to a build script, and it just handles it straight out of the box. I mean, straight out of Automaton's box. So, so Automaton can 
does does it integrate with existing continuous integration frameworks like you know what is it uh, cruisecontrol.net yeah that's what the one I was um, absolutely I probably you wouldn't use cruise control and automaton together however okay so you probably use one does, or the other oh, yeah, duplicate yeah. yeah well let me let me take a step back to the agile conversation that we're having a second ago yeah. looking at it from the idea of adopting agile and bringing that into your organization you do not want your tool to be an impediment to your process. Right. You want to be able to get the idea of collecting user stories or, or storyboarding or whatever those things are and that process down and learning it. But the, the neat thing about Team System is that once that process is established and in place, it doesn't impede you in adding it in. You can, you can put your things in. And it, even with my Scrum process template, I've got user stories where I, we have collections of, of work items that, that iterate and collect the, uh, the, the, all of the failings, the description, the history of the, uh, of the uh, story, as well as the, uh, the uh, test of how to, how to verify it. So all built in. Now, I just, if I could follow up on that a little bit, and on Carl's question, which was <clears throat> how do Agile people feel about this, I think right. some of the misconceptions come because people download team system and they fire up an, a Microsoft 4.0 Agile template yeah. and they try to follow that and, and it feels much heavier right. than a, a, an Agile process that they're used to. So a lot of times uh, people get a misimpression sure. by looking at the built-in template. Now if you take a lightweight Scrum template, for instance... And Mike, that, you were the author of the Scrum yeah, templates for with, Microsoft. Yeah, with some help. No, it's with some help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Steve, you were involved as well. Uh, I was involved uh, incidentally, uh, and, Willie, and the, the hard work was done by Willie Peter Schaub and Mike Azucard. Yeah. So, what does a Scrum template look like? Uh, what are we doing? It's, uh, so your iterations are sprints. Right. Right. They they generally are in a thirty day window. Um, user stories uh, take the place of requirements. Uh, you have product backlog items, which are moved from sprint to sprint as you right. go through. We separate a little bit different. We have a, a, a listing of defects outside of that as well. And I've also put in hooks that allow you to track at a high level the project metrics such as earned value, which will lead into that. Huh. that earned value. I'll, I'll get back on that one. <laughs> right, right. Right. So you have the hooks to do that as well. Right. And with Project 2007 added into that mix, you don't have to track at the, as the granular level as you do with the older versions of projects. So there's some niceties around that. Cool. All right. Earned value. Oh, okay. What are we talking Discuss. about? Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Earned value is a way yourselves. of tracking um, progress in a, in a project, both across the uh, time. Are we hitting our, the features we're trying to hit on time? Right. And are we hitting our budget constraints? So those two constraints, the features according to time and features according to budget. Right. I have major issues with the name earned value. First of all, you're not earning anything here. You're building some code, but you could be building really crappy code. But really, you're building what you're features is that people don't if a, want. If a, when a developer indicates I've met this milestone, that is X percentage of the project, the project's overall value is $100,000, that was 10%, so I've earned value of $10,000. Exactly. exactly. But Based the, on the rate of the developer. Exactly, right. but it's not value you're yeah, measuring yeah. here. Right, you're yeah. measuring the budget you have for the project. Right. And if yeah. the budget met was exactly equal to the value to the company. So would it be it better to be called it burned value? Saving. Burn, <laughs> burned value. Burned <laughs> budget. See, yeah. in, the, in the agile world, it's we're concerned with customer us, value, right? Value right. For us. Yeah. So there needs to be different ways of expressing value. For us, in the team system world, it's all about customer value and being able to be right on top of that customer value as it changes throughout the, throughout the project, which may or may not affect the budget. Right. But what we're trying to do is making sure that we provide our customers 
with the highest amount of value that they identify, right? right? They tell us what's most valuable, yeah. and we will provide that to them in, in that along the project timeline. So yeah. let's go down oh, one sec. We'll go down that road there. So the disconnects that, and this is an agilist disconnect from traditional development. So we're going to start to argue now. Uh, is that you do not have a way to communicate that value to middle and executive level management right. in the company. In Earn a meaningful value, way? In a meaningful way. In a way that they can understand, which you, you realize that, you know, that executive summary got its name for a reason, right? right? So the executives could figure out what the heck you were talking and, about. And why they're signing your check. Exactly. Couldn't exactly. you do that, though, through some, some level of prioritization, you know, demonstrating to them that we, you, you have prioritized these features according to the benefit that it provides to you, the penalty of not having it, the relative cost, the relative uh, does a risk. CIO, but does a CIO generally have that level of interaction with those, or is that that's more of a lower-level management decision? Generally. That's a VP development? Rather than a CIO? Exactly. But okay. still, the VP of development can kick that value in to the measurement, and we can take that value and aggregate it. For instance, if they come and say this feature is not only prioritized, but this project's going to be worth X dollars to us. As a, as a, we're expecting this kind of rate of return. Right. If we can break those down into those features, the customer features that they want, and prioritize those, then you can deliver something along that earned value uh, piece graph to the CIO. Well, absolutely, and that's you know things like um, talking about the prioritized features that you're delivering. That the top ten features might not represent only ten percent of the product value, but actually fifty percent of the product value, and the remaining features all combined represent the other fifty yeah, percent. Yeah, this is a Pareto's that. law thing here, where yes. yeah, twenty percent of my features are getting eighty percent of my value, actually, and, and that I'm delivering those things first. Right, I'm delivering yeah. them early, and I'm getting the feedback, and so I can tie in customer feedback. I can tie in things like velocity. While I might not talk about the velocity points, I can talk about the, the velocity that we have and the expected completion of certain feature sets and say, right. you know what, this is going to be, this is five sprints out, we think. This is a, a, the next sprint. And, and talk about value at an executive level right. in those terms. Yeah. Well, By the yeah, way, I just want to mention that uh, Barry Gervin is in the audience with a microphone. If anybody has a question for any yeah, of the panelists oh, boy. at any time, it looks like uh, <laughs> Richard Hunhausen has, yeah, a, uh, has a question. Hi, Richard. Hello, gentlemen. I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. How does Team System and, and the broader Agile allow me to do estimates? These are always the most important thing people ask me about. Yeah, let me get my work first. Yeah. Right, how, what's what it going to cost me? And now let's talk about how that good it should be. I'm, I'm a firm believer that do. Team System doesn't really help you do estimates. Really? Right. No, I, I, I completely disagree. I disagree with that as well. Okay. <laughs> well, good. That well. That's good. Well, We've got contention. Well, okay, so... <laughs> You, there, there are ways to estimate. You bring things out and, and you break them down into smaller components and, and you, you can do that very easily within Team System. The Scrum process template, for example, user stories. User stories are laid out. You break them into smaller components that are linked out and you actually can very easily turn those into estimates, either complexity-based or hour-based as you need. Well, see, for me, it's, you know, we do a lot of estimating based on many techniques. Some of them are heuristics-based. You know, I have sure. uh, 13 feature points, and that translates to typically 40 hours of, of work, you know, doing some lookups. And I can't, using work items, have any type of, uh, you know, smartness inside of my work item that it does lookups or does but anything more complicated. But you can record the points, though. Exactly. But I can well, record the them you in there, re- but, you but they're not... So Sorry. you can record the points or the hours, whatever it may be, and say, here is my initial estimate. Here's what it actually took. 
you know, with each sprint, reflect back and say, you know, this is what we estimated, this is what it took, make my better estimations off of that knowledge. Exactly. Right. So what but you're missing is that, is that Team System didn't help you do the estimates up front. Right. However, Team right. System gave you the velocity, the history oh, from sure. other experience That's to true. make those accurate. I don't disagree, but right up front, you know, you want to do a multi-point uh, estimate where you're giving a range or a certainty where you want to, you know, think about things like buffer that you need to have in your iterations. And you don't know about that in your first number of iterations. So I agree with you that but, it will help you fine-tune that. Give you that. I was going well, to ask, is I there, should show you one of my tools, yeah. you know, <laughs> that can help you do a lot of that uh, stuff. Uh, wait a second. So you wrote a tool for estimation? Yeah. We wrote uh, a few tools for estimation. Is this something people can download? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a tool, but you can't have it. Yeah, that's very nice, Joel. Yeah, Thanks just, for that. Can you tell us how you but did it? I think we have another one. Uh, no. <laughs> so, to, I mean, back to Steve's point, which is the main thing the Team System is bringing us is an accurate measure of our rate of productivity, which is ultimately going to help us do our estimates because know, we know how long things are going to take, so we know how much they're going to cost. Because it's a exactly. feedback. So at least I can make an estimate based on right. some opportunity. Based on yesterday's yeah. weather. It's, right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not perfect, tracking, but it's, it's you know, tracking and, and feedback. Tracking and, and on that note, feedback. we have a very interesting related question. We're going to interject. Okay. Sure. So can Team System... Uh, provide an evaluation of one developer versus another in terms of their effectiveness. Like, you know, all I'm doing is modifying existing lines of code because I like different variable names versus actually providing some value to them. Let me ask you code. why you want to do that. <laughs> um, well, so if I give one of my developers a feature and it takes them a month to do what I would anticipate another guy over here to do in a day, then, you know, how do I... Is there a way I can sort of at a high level sort of weed out yeah. you know, people that maybe aren't performing and make a, a, you know, a tough business decision? But My recommendation yes. is don't go to metrics to solve that yeah. problem, to, bring, to, to get your team together to solve that problem. I've seen a lot of customers attempt to do that because you can. you can. You can take a look at the number of lines of code Co and code, code churn. churn reports and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. By a developer. Yep. Pardon me? Yeah, by, developer. by developer. Yeah, by well, developer I, per well, day. I can tell you a situation. But, and I, I agree with you on if the team is local. But right. we have had off offshore resources where they're not getting us the stuff that we need. I can go to Team System and see the code churn statistics for my right. India group. Mm -hmm. And we did, and this just happened recently. We cut an entire team. Right. Because there was nothing that was getting checked in or checked right. out. Now, now I'm, I'm, there's a couple areas here, however, that I'm, I'm really concerned about. Yeah. One is there are team dynamics in an Agile team that might be failed to take into consideration. For instance... Rich Hundhausen, my business partner, is one of the most productive developers I've ever seen. Now, one of the things he does, however, is in his development team, a lot of people come to him to ask a question. So he's being continually pulled away to act as a catalyst. So what might take someone three hours to solve, they'll work together in a pair and solve it in an hour. Well, that's effective for the organization. But if I was looking at it, I might look at the pure metrics and say, He's not pulling his own weight, and I'd ax him from my team, and I'd lose a massive amount of velocity simply because that one person is acting as a catalyst. So That's a great point. And Steve, I think he's coming himself. to pay you money. Uh, and I see Rich bringing well. you your buck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The thing but to remember is... interesting point that the metrics you're capturing are purely about coding, <laughs> and software development is on, not only about coding. Exactly. Well, it's, yeah, because there's, there's, you're talking about people management. You're talking about uh, team collaboration. Right. You know, you're talking about reusability of, of human resources. Yeah. Don't let a metric be your only measure. Right. Certainly it's use one of that. Them. Look but at I, it. I got to think it's still valuable to look at the productivity per person yes. and notice that there there's going to be a spread. 
But I also think that there's going to be different styles. Some guys fuss their code a lot more than other guys. I, I think that both are effective. I think if what we're saying is people is, on that. However, yeah. if you go and you bonus someone on that, They'll if you fudge. bonus anyone on a metric, on any metric, they will make that metric happen. If it's code churn, That's right. they won't reuse code. It's copy paste reuse, right? Right. If it's if it's some other metric, they'll make sure that they're gaming sure. the system to gain sure. that metric. So you have to be very very cautious Pavlovian. with any metric, and exactly. including the metrics in team system. Sure. They have to be used in a very wise fashion. I think they're there for a purpose well, okay. and use them, but they can't be your only guide. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's a difference. Yeah. It's a tool. Don't let the tool replace yeah. the person. Well, it's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Ah, very nice. Oh. Oh. And, and that was very karate <laughs> kid. Yeah, wax go. on, wax off. Yeah, okay, nice. time for another question, guys. I know you're having <laughs> Thank fun. Thank you, Barry. Here we go. Aha, uh -huh. hi, guys. Hey, the, it's Greg Lowe. Hey, Richard and I, when we were at TechFest a little while ago, one of the things that they were showing us was even more scary in that regard. It was like a central management console where the manager could sit there and watch literally who was debugging in which procedure and so on right throughout the team. I'm just wondering about what your thoughts are about things that are quite that intrusive. It's quite Orwellian. <laughs> uh, I believe in transparency but not that transparent. Yeah. Yeah, that's like being naked in front of the window. Spine. <laughs> Spine. <laughs> All of a sudden, your cell phone rings. Uh, you got a syntax error. Yeah, like, when, <laughs> when your keyboard starts shocking you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, it, it is a good point. I, and I think there are times when we want a lot of transparency into, into an organization. But just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And those kind of tools and the code metrics that TFS gathers, some of those should not be used it, should not be used. Well, no, bear, well so bear in mind, they're there for a reason, but use them for the right reason. Right. Yeah, right. that's a great pairing tool, right? If you've got a junior developer or someone that's remote, you could pair with them and see what's going on. That's a but good point. If you're, if you're using it to figure out what the heck they're doing. Now the, yeah, the battle that <laughs> I get into on. that I've dealt with for years in running Dell Element teams is a guy who is, uh, is stuck, right? He's right. spinning thrashing. his wheels. He's thrashing. Right. Thanks, Carl. He, you know, here you got a guy who's trying, I mean, the big thing about pair programming is two people together just can't thrash. Exactly. You know, unless they're actually sharing a brain. Uh, but when I'm not pair programming, when I've got guys maybe that are remote, uh, and Scrum helps compensate for this too, that it, I, if I Scrum every day, you really can't thrash for more than a day. But if I only Scrum once a week, right. I've had guys who've thrashed the whole week. Yes. And it's not until the next Scrum. They're also the ones that are too proud to say anything. They yeah. want to figure it out they're themselves. Gonna it they're going to figure it themselves. And they go so silent. Much. Doesn't this too, and a, and a great fun, fundamental that you, you catch on the Joel, developers who talk about the code they're successful with. Yeah, they right. can't help it, yeah, you know, because yeah. they're proud. So when you don't hear from them, yeah, yeah they're thrashing. There's, there's a problem, right? But yeah. I mean, getting back to the point, which is, doesn't, this, doesn't that tool that Greg talked about, isn't that really about early thrash detection? It should be. Early thrash detection. That's yeah. a good feature. You like that? <laughs> early thrash <laughs> warning. That's right. I, I think that's a cultural Yellow. issue. I think that's a cultural issue more. And, 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 and that tool, anything that, anything that might be caustic to the, the, the team's morale, the team's anything, yeah. Especially as a management tool, I, I wouldn't find that tool effective. I would be, I would be opposed to it. Sure. Even for thrash detection, I would rather use a 15-minute stand-up every morning to yeah. detect thrash. Well, right. yeah. And that's the thing. As, as a manager of a dev team, you know, the things that I use are exactly that. The, the daily stand-up. If I see a period of time going by where, where somebody on my team hasn't had a check-in, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm getting check-in notifications out of TFS. Yeah. I right. don't see a check-in for a while for somebody. That's the thing that raises my, right. my attention. Go, you know, maybe, you know, is there something you need? Is there, you know. Those check-in alerts are gold for me because yeah. that's how yeah. I judge how that team is working. Yeah, exactly. So I subscribe to them all and I use Outlook rules and I yep. just, I can feel that heartbeat going. And all of a sudden when that project goes silent over a day, Oh, I should check in with yeah. them. You know, but something's wrong. Sort of or a rectal thermometer. Absolutely. Those are the two ones. Yeah. But Joel, if you're getting a steady stream of all of those check-ins, I just got to think that the guy who's not checking things in is going to slip through the cracks on that. Isn't there summary reporting somewhere where we can say, well, who hasn't? At the end of each day, who checked something in and who didn't? Huh. Not out of the box. It's not out of the box. No. But the yes. data's there. You can yeah. yeah, find it. I mean, that's the thing I'm afraid of is, you know, Checking for an absence of a presence. How geeky is that? Yeah, that's interesting. Right? I'm looking for the guy. I'm watching all the guys who did check stuff in. I want the guy who didn't check mm-hmm. stuff in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Granted. Huh. No answers. Nice. Another question. Oh, I, yeah. the <laughs> Another question. Huh. I, I think it's valid. Data mining. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Richard. Oh, boy. So let's flash forward a few years, and a company's got several team projects under their belt. Do you guys foresee actually being able to use data mining and prediction tactics to see if this team project here is going to fail because it's got some of the same attributes as this one over here three years ago that had kind of a similar smell. Do you guys see Team System ever going that direction? Yes. I do. I do. I think some of the, some of the updates in Katmai might be improved, improves there as, as Team Foundation Server begins to, begins to take advantage of some of the new... Mm-hmm. Sorry, SQL Steve, did you say Katmai? You're talking SQL about... SQL Server 2008. You're talking about SQL Server 2008 is going to help Team System. I believe so, yeah. That's, well, where, that's where a lot of the metrics come from. The cube mm-hmm. was pulled out of that. Okay. Yeah. So if we, any improvements at the actual database layer will eventually help that as well. So the, the analytics of the, the next version of SQL the new Server. The ProClarity tools sitting on top of the sure. analytics cubes would be really cool to yeah. play with. Well, right? and, yeah. and not only that, but you think about um, Portfolio Manager. Yeah. yeah. Score, and we're, we're talking Score about this stuff, yeah. before, but... Portfolio manager, scorecard manager, and the testing, we're really starting to get enterprise level. So we're talking about dashboarding, putting on my BI hat, right? My my business intelligence. I'm going to have a dash, as as my VP dev, my VP dev is going to have a dashboard of my progress on all of my projects. You should. You should be able to gather those metrics. There's no reason. Now now we do have the tools from Microsoft. They were just recently acquired, man. Wrap that around some team system stuff, and you're going to have magic. Yep. And and that's it's a very interesting it's a very interesting question because a lot of people have seen the beautiful reports out of team system. <clears throat> they want to jump right in and they expect to see those gorgeous reports. They expect to know their team's velocity. They expect to know the bug rates. Right. They expect to know that two days after they've started coding. <laughs> yeah. And the reality is, team system you'll get value on the really close dev side and the source configuration side right away. But the project management side and that type of that right. type of analytics is going to take six months, nine months, a year before you start gathering enough metrics to make Absolutely. even non-automated yeah, predictions, just predict. being able to understand right. your development team. And well, and that's the point, we, though, right? You, you need that time, regardless of the tool, you need that time to collect the data. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Team system just gives you the tools to collect the data, right? Right. And we haven't really uh, dug into the whole uh, bug side of things. So as soon as Rich was... Rich Hunhauser was talking about, uh, you know, three years down the road, we're going to be able to do all these predictions around it. It's like, oh, great, I'm going to, I, I can expect that <laughs> that guy that had the critical bug that stopped our ship will do that again. 
now, three years later. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I'm also finding that we're talking a lot about the analytics and the work items instead of TFS. But, you know, there's also Team Suite. And, you know, how does that, how do those tools impact the Agile uh, teams? You know, just being able to support unit tests out of the box and having nice automated testing. I think they're a really important consideration when you consider how Team System as a whole impacts teams and their productivity. Well, I just got done speaking about this. You know, the, the unit testing features built into TeamSuite, the developer edition, the test edition, in the uh, 2008 version of Visual Studio, in the professional edition, having the tools built into the product that allow the developers to write unit tests to do things to prevent that bug from happening. Right. To, to have the unit test suite available to you, to be able to run it frequently, you know, run it when you change code, run it when you check in, run it as part of your build process in TFS, have, t- have check-in policies that tell you, you know, you can't check in unless they all pass. All that stuff being built into the product now. And, and you know, when you yeah. talk about the, the entire, you know, application lifecycle, you know, and going through the entire process from a dev to a test standpoint right there, you know, the dev contributing to some of that verification that the code is being built correctly. Right. Hey, do you find that the horizontal scroll bar is the most annoying thing when you're trying to read that impossibly long line of code? Well, Maybe a 19-inch LCD monitor would help. Telerik challenges you to explore their new reporting product and have a chance to give your workstation a facelift. A 19-inch NEC monitor could be yours if you answer a few easy multiple-choice questions about Telerik reporting. Just spend a few minutes and see how easily you can generate Windows, Web, and PDF reports. Play with the drag-and-drop data binding. Experiment with Telerik's acclaimed CSS-like customization of reporting items. The reporting tool is fast, compact, and very easy to deploy with a mere X-copy. Even if you don't get top marks in the quiz, you can still be a winner. The modest score of seven correct answers out of 11 questions secures you a complimentary Telerik reporting developer license that you can use in your personal and professional projects. So go to Telerik.com and give it a try. It's fun, it's interesting, and it can get you a free license or a new monitor. How much can we talk about the next version of Team System here today? We can uh, talk pretty much all of the next version of Team System okay. today, I believe. Can not you for give Orcus. Us a, not no. for Orcus. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us a quick summarization, Doug? Um, I'm actually going to pass it to one of these guys because I think they know more about it than I do. Okay, Steve. <laughs> Only because I don't work on that team. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll jump in. Some of the new features, the, the testing features coming out are, are, are very much improved. Uh, um, from, the developer, from the developer perspective, we can start looking at code metrics like code complexity, yeah. cyclic complexity. There's several new code metrics which can really help guide when you need to refactor. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the code you're checking in is going to be impossible to maintain. Yeah. I mean, and that's going to be built in to the build process. So as the build process is going, I'll be alerted right away if I have some cyclic complexity or some yeah. basically Crappy just code. some, some cyclomatic code that's complex. Cyclomatic. Cyclomatic, cyclomatic rather. So cyclomatic yeah. complexity that's going to pop out right away. I'll know right. um, at the end of that build. Whether I do it daily or in a continuous integration, I'm not going so far down the path that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deploy unmaintainable code. I could see a point where we'd mature a metric of uh, the time for refactoring, a time to say, hey, wait, wait, wait. Stop cranking on those features. Go back and rethink some of the stuff. This is where our complexity levels on the dashboard hit a certain level where now the, the team lead or the VP dev is now thinking, yeah, you'll see less, you're going to see more code churn now as that complexity indicator goes back down. Right. Still productive because you moved to gauge. 
Right. But not actually in terms of lines of code. Well, we actually have a lot of that today, and it just gets better in the next version. Okay. Here's the interesting thing. What do all these great reports and great feedback and intelligence as as the dev lead, what does that do for your expectations of your developers? I mean, hey, you have some serious cyclomatic complexity issues. Great. You need some therapy. Now what? You know? yeah. Oh, well, yeah, let me get right out. I'll push the uh, anti-cyclomatic complexity to coach, button. To coach your team members. Yeah. And, that, and that, I mean, that's really what the core, a lot of the core of what Agile teams do. It's yeah. feedback mechanism. It's continual. You know, we're sure. getting the information it, out it's there. It's the smells. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. you, you get a yeah. you get a bad smell from your yes, exactly from nice. your organization. You can you can look at the report and see things that are just maybe a little bit off, sure. and it, it allows you as a manager to yeah. go in and dive more deeply on a personal level. And better I, I to catch those early than later on. So, yeah. what what advice do you have for managers? Just let's let's talk about you know management style. Mm-hmm. Now that you have all this powerful information. Do you walk carefully on those hot coals? I've or? got a soapbox that I will definitely stand up on on, on project managers you get, and project you got room management. For two? Uh, well, we we got two. We probably have room for four on here. But here's my soapbox in a nutshell, Let's hear which story. is project managers today often manage a Gantt chart. They'll look at this work breakdown structure and they'll they'll walk around with a whip yelling at people if they're slipping dates or whatnot or, or bonusing people for not slipping dates. It's, it's and developers love that. Oh, they yeah. do. Oh, yeah. They love that. They respond very well Hit me again. They're <laughs> managing a chart on a wall rather than managing a team. Tracking, and I, and I, tracking, not managing. Yes, tracking, not managing. And I firmly believe that the role of a project manager is to be a, 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 a team concierge, if you will. Yeah. Get rid of the impediments. Yep. They yep. should they should be watching the developers, finding if the developers are running into an impediment. Get them training. Get them the right mm-hmm. tools. Get the tools out of the way. They're the ones that order the pizza. Well, they're yeah. the ones that drive yeah. down yeah. and pick up yeah. sodas Keep at the end alive. of the night. Yeah. Don't yeah. send a the, developer. That's the th- you know that's the thing you're seeing right. You're getting what you're getting out of Team System and out of Foundation Server with this is you're getting that feedback to point you in that direction. Right. You know, you're getting the feedback to say, yeah. wow, this is where my team could use some attention. Not that I want to go hit them or beat them or tell them what to do, but, but they need some, whether it's, like you said, training, some motivation, some guidance, whatever it may be. Some help. Help. I don't yeah, know if everybody, sort of. anyone's ever used this term before, but in the music business, the producer does that role. Yep. So the producer's job is to order the pizza and to wait. You know, one thing Love I had it. in production school, a guy told me that the, what you want to avoid is the downward spiral. You know, hey, let's eat is a great tool. You know, things are going, you're in a meeting, people are like freaking out, and you can see it just going down. Yeah, you don't want to do the beating school to continue until we're all approved. I love it. To reference the movie Wag the Dog, Dustin Hoffman's character, who is a producer, says nobody understands the role of the producer, which is much like the manager. The role of the producer is to get great people in a room together and watch them work. Exactly. And that's what you're Exactly. And and to come right back to your question, should we be afraid, as developers, should we be afraid of managers seeing these reports? And yeah. I would argue that, no, we shouldn't. In fact, those reports make my life as a developer easier. Yeah. I don't have to report them on a day-to-day basis. But more importantly, it gives my manager something to look at besides a Gantt chart. Yep. Well, and yeah. any time nice. they and shift their attention from a Gantt chart, I benefit. And it allows them, them to answer the hard questions as well. So yep. we're trying to stay away and let the developers do their job. But the thing is, is we need to report up the chain as well. Absolutely. Are we providing value? What does the budget look like? Are we going to be done on time? Those traditional business questions. Mm-hmm. And we do have insight now because because of these tools. Yep. With Barry, did by you have a question? Yeah. Or a comment? Or a microphone problem? Uh, no, this is actually a question that uh, another gentleman had before he had to leave. Um, but I think it was a great question. Um, he said, when you talk to a lot of Agile teams or you go to an Agile boff, everybody's using open source tools. 
and unit cruise control, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and, you know, another comment was some people think, you know, if you're using VSTS, it's hard to be agile. So, you know, in the concept of Agile, how does VSTS compare to these open source tools specifically? So I strongly disagree with the comment, and only because I run an Agile team that uses VSTS and, and Team Foundation Server. Uh, we're very successful at it. We have all the tools at our disposal that we need. You know, again, yep. it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. Agility is about communication. It's about collaboration. All the tools are there. Any tracking that the team feels it needs to be successful is available to them. The so, 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 maybe, so maybe some specifics. And, and I like, let's go with end unit. Like, what, what's different about the testing in, in team system that makes well, you more agile I, than end unit? I'd like to jump in here on this, this specific one because I, I feel pretty passionately about it, which is an agile team can use any tool. Right. Team the system tool, is not the tool. The tool doesn't make them agile. And, and, and oh. a lot of the very early adopters of agile had nothing else at their disposal, the innovators in Agile, except those, those end tools, those open source tools. And they adopted them to great, great use. And if you have a team that's brilliant at using those tools and the processes in place, don't go to team systems. Keep using them. However, there's the early adopters, there's the innovators, the early adopters, and then you're kind of hitting that the, the, the large scale groups of developers who nice. aren't those radical innovators. Yeah. And for those people, the integrated suite of tools mm -hmm makes the adoption of agility simpler right. than you find with adopting 15 different ends. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah, right. And that's why exactly. you, you well, know, the supportability of it and yeah. the infrastructure of it. Well, and you know, what, we've seen too, what we've seen too is like the several of our large clients have come in and integrated it and brought all these tools together. They don't talk to each other out of the box. They're, they're not sharing the information like, like you get within Team System. And it's just several pieces that kind of have hooks into each other. We've, so, we've actually found in large organizations those open source tools were a prohibiting uh, mindset uh, for agility. Yeah. They're like, well, if, if we have to use these unsupported tools to run our enterprise on, yeah, that's right. we'll just keep on doing it the way we're doing it. Now we have an alternative. That mindset is almost like a cultural thing of these yeah. early agile adopters almost like it's their badge of honor yeah if you're, if you're agile like, you have to be open source and that's yeah. the point right it, there. it is a badge of honor because it's very difficult oh. to integrate all those tools into a process and right. if you've gone through that incredibly difficult integration it's process yeah. it's like going through boot camp or something yeah, i mean right. you it's, it is a badge of honor and, a, and an, a, an agile team is by the very nature going to choose the tools that work for them right, right. you know like i said i manage a team we're using tfs we're using a team system works to great success. We've got large uh, unit test suites that we run as part of a build process. Uh, you know, it, the, the team, the team is, is having the communication they need to, to be agile. They're getting the results they want out of it. They're tracking the things they want to track uh, in order to satisfy whatever other dependencies they have with upper management. And well, let me ask this question. Is there any open source tool that does the workflow uh the, the, the work item management and all of that stuff that Team System does not that one. integrates with Visual Studio? Not one tool. Not a, not a single tool. There are many tools that, that, that's what I that, see that is work the, independently. I mean, that's here's an sort example. Of, that's sort of, you is can the use SharePoint to track your bugs and use VSS 3.0 to put workflow, right. but to get the analytics and that feedback mechanism right. and the trend analysis isn't going to be there. Yeah. So, so, so that's what I see is the big strength of Team System, yeah. absolutely. which has nothing to do with all of these other things, which you can use at the same time. So. I, I see Matt Nunn sitting out in the audience there, so I, I think we better talk about Visual Studio for database professionals. It plays in the team system world too, right? Correct. So we're now talking about check-ins around databases. Yep. Unit and, testing store procedures. Yeah, test, yeah your, your unit test store procedures, bug tracking into the database. So, the, so suddenly, I mean, team system treats it the same way. 
And, uh, and, and so you're able to just you know, deal with the database uh, developer the same way you would it's a, a regular developer. It's a natural progression well, for the team. It's, and, yeah. and I see I poked you, Matt, so you have no choice. You've got to take up the mic. I like that a but lot. But it does an interesting thing because a database developer has traditionally been radically different from yeah. a C-sharp developer or a VP.net yeah. developer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're the people who are often in an organization extraordinarily anal retentive yeah. for a very good reason. They very are good putting, reason. They're putting code into a production box, yeah. and they're not getting to compile it and test it first. No, they, right, they, they right. do it in their test environments, but at right. some point, it's going up there. Yeah, what and it's team, always a delta change. You yes. have to make yeah. those alterations yeah. without damaging the right. existing exactly. data. Exactly. And now with the DB Pro, there's now a way to get them into the automated build process. Exactly. So at the end of every day, or even on continuous integration, they can get those that, that confidence. Can't we that still the call this data, dude? I, mean, come I on. like data. I well, do, Matt, I love Matt's data right dude. over there. Matt, can we still call it Data Dude, please? Microsoft Visual Studio Pretty please, because it's the longest name, man. It's the only one that well, actually pretty much everybody else is calling it Data Dude, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> Carl, you can call we it. We just can't officially call okay. it. I can't call it that, but you can okay, call it. Okay, I can call it Data Dude. Is that all you had to say, Matt? <laughs> what else do you want me to say? I've, I've given you permission to use Data Dude in your podcast. Okay. Okay, I really, but I really think you should at least say the full name once. Okay. Yeah. All together. There's only yeah. one person who knows it, and so we'll have to... That would be the Microsoft Visual Studio 2005 Team System for Database Professionals Edition Ultimate Explore... I don't know. <laughs> you don't need to add to it. We are already the longest product maybe. Yeah. yeah, with barbecue sauce. Yeah. So I will, ask you, I will ask you a question around the Data Dude stuff. Um, so how many people have seen your real hardcore DBA actually looking at the Data Dude stuff and going... Okay, I get why that makes my life better, why it makes it more productive for me because my development team gets to do a little bit and I'm more protected. Do you actually see that when you come up and talk to people about it? No, no. <laughs> uh, the, uh, in everything, and, I, and I've, been, I've been pushing this for a while, it's imposed on DBAs rather than them actually liking it. And, and unfortunately, I, I, they are not used to Visual Studio. They don't see the, the benefits of it. They've got query analyzer. That's, that's the key. And the ones that I have seen accepted are the ones who are developers and DBAs, exactly. right? Yeah. They're playing exactly. that dual role. They understand the value. And they're, they're the ones who are already going, damn, I wish I had that for my right. stored products. And all of a sudden, yeah. whammo, there Why doesn't it, it work the same as when I build my C-sharp app? Right. Yeah. Or, or one other type of database, one other type of hardcore DBA, which is the one who years ago was forced to do code check-ins, who was forced to right. go through a build process every night. Using Those yeah, people, if they already had... Script files yes, to write yeah. all their individual script files. Using CVS or... You know, using whatever it was. Old archaic But they yeah, had to techniques. check in their source code. They already had the process. They'll grab onto it. Oh, yeah. like, like, <laughs> life well, raft. you're forgetting one <laughs> other person. The developer who was forced to be a DBA because nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently she's out... <laughs> She's out <laughs> the audience. We're talking about half my team now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, all we—I I got a pack of agile guys sitting up here, but CMM works, guys. It works for NASA. Does it work for Team System? CMM yes. is not a methodology, right? CMMI is is a way of assessing how well you do your software, right? So, you know, can CMMI uh, projects be agile? Absolutely. Okay. You know, in my, in my perspective, what CMMI, you have the specific and general practices. Some of them are, you know, you're tracking your requirements. It doesn't specify you have to track it in a doc or in a work item. Right. It says you've got to track them. 
sticky note, whatever, you've achieved it. So, and your point then is you, you can help your CMI compliance using Team System. Absolutely. Absolutely. In but fact, we've, we, have, we have several clients that are adopting or attempting to reach CMMI level three, and they're using Team System right. to, to make that to, to help as well. Right. But they're doing it in an agile, agile fashion. Way. And here's what's interesting. In order to get your CMMI when you're going through your assessment, and they're coming in to do an assessment, they need to see some historical data. They need to see, have you been able to deliver on time for at least two or three deliveries? Right. If your deliveries are waterfall deliveries at 18 months, guess what? It's going to be four and a half years before you can even ask them to come in and take a look. Right. If you're using an iterative approach, mm -hmm. you're getting metrics on whether or not you're delivering specific deliverable features possibly every month. Wait a yeah, minute, are you saying delivering monthly is a good thing? I am, absolutely. Even in CMMI. Even in CMMI. Well, and the thing to educate me here. Well, isn't part of CMMI, uh, 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 isn't there a process around making changes to code and making changes and that, you know, paperwork has to be done, signed off things have to happen? It's yes. That's all the point, right? Doesn't that go against he's not, that He's track? nodding his head no. And I think, I think in this case, Joel is incorrect. Yeah, uh, there, there is some actual requirements. There's requirements, if, if but there's not a dictated process. It, there's not no. a dictated process, but there are, taste, there are places where that traceability realistically, if you're going to get compliant, needs to be output in a document yeah. format. And there are additional requirements in the CMMI template that Microsoft provides that go beyond what is required in Agile. But that's you like apology instead of permission, right? Which is easier to get, you know? <laughs> right. uh, yeah, isn't it? This, well, yeah, not for socks auditors. But, but not for socks auditors. But, it, but, but that's the thing. Isn't, this goes right back to what we were talking about five or ten minutes ago, right? Which is the tool doesn't make you this process or that process. No. It's, no. it's just using the tool to satisfy the, the needs of the, the process. The, platform. Exactly. the tool's there. It's got all the mechanisms you need for what I, I'll fight to death for, the, for doing things in an agile process. I believe in it. But if you can't, if you have in, industry requirements that won't let you, you have, uh, you know, Corporation requirements don't, don't let it happen. There are, there are, just, there are many the reasons why you need more documentation. Sure. For instance, in an agile team, if it's a small enough team, you can communicate in your daily scrum mm -hmm. or your daily stand-up. Mm -hmm. However, in a, in a large organization with 200 developers, it's inefficient to have those kind of meetings. That's and right. that's where documentation becomes an actual lubricant to the development process. Yep. It helps the development process. And I think the CMMI mm -hmm. template can help people move up the chain for a larger development process without but it, hindering it. But it, it, it doesn't it dictate it that you have to use a document. Absolutely it says not. you have to no. store this information and it has to relate to other ones and you, and you have to track it back. How we choose to do that in a particular document or in a work item or whatever is actually not something that we are dictated to from CMMI. Well, right, correct. And I've also found that CMMI is an amazing meta pattern for organizations who just want to do process improvement. A lot of uh, people look at you know, MSF or CMMI and go, oh, I'm not touching that because I don't want to do CMMI. But in reality, there's a lot of great practices in there. I actually, for agile development, still prefer the CMMI template. So do yeah, I. A couple of reasons. Yeah. The, uh, just the states. You have four states in a, in a task. You've got proposed active, resolved, and closed as opposed to active, resolved, and closed. Yeah. That allows me, as a, as, as a, as a planner, to be, start throwing in things yep. that are still in a proposed state that haven't yet been moved to developers working on them. And so you I have one more piece of metadata. So you're I've got building up your product point. backlog of proposed well, Exactly. Items. I'm building a product backlog You enter the proposed. sprint, they become active. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and one last thing is the person who wrote the CMMI template for Microsoft is David Anderson. 
And as, as many people know in the Agile community, David Anderson is one of the, is a very strong advocate for Agile development. People were actually shocked at him coming in for the CMMI template. Well, but agile. you see those influences strongly yeah. in that CMMI template. So what yeah. I'm hearing is, hey, Agile guys, it's okay, you can do CMMI, and it's still kind of Agile. What about the CMMI guys that don't want it to be Agile? What if they want, oh my God, you're going to let the Agile process take over CMMI, and then there's going to be no accountability anymore? I, I, you I, just don't iterations. You pull oh, I, if they don't want to use it in Agile me methodology, pull the iterations yeah. out. You Make your iterations off. five months long. And, and, but at that, <laughs> point, <laughs> at, at, that point, at that point in time, we, I, I, I have to seriously question both their sanity and their commitment to the well, development. Well, I, I, I was going to say, what's, what's no, the motivation okay. behind doing that? So it, it works. It, it, Agile is a, is a hammer. CMMI is a hammer. They all, they've got their good points and bad points. It's, it's on the team dynamics. It's on the people that you've got in the right, right. positions. And it's how they go. I mean, we've been doing uh, software development for 30, 40 years. Most of that time without agile methodology. Right. I, I, I totally well, disagree. It, it totally just didn't disagree. have a name. It, it didn't have a name. Well, but you were instance, doing it. It just instance, didn't the, have a name. The, uh, the space shot, the Saturn space shot, the, one of the chief architects in the Saturn space shot, his comment was, we really tried to use the perfect methodology at that time, waterfall, the ideal methodology, but we couldn't because our application was too large, the requirements were changing too quickly, and we had well, too many people working on it. Very interesting What's the Saturn comment. space shot? Just yeah. the, uh, the, uh, Apollo mission. The Apollo mission. Oh, the Apollo mission. The, 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 okay. yeah, as we were architecting the, the I Apollo I thought you were talking software. about software. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, Barry, you had something to say. Yes. Yes. Um, continuous process improvement. Um, you know, sort of, sort of the zen of, of being agile is to always improve your process. And in, uh, you know, speaking of process templates like CMMI or MSF Agile, if I want to customize that for how I want to work, um, doesn't that bake in a certain amount of rigidity into my process then for the remainder of my project? How do people deal with that? Um, you know, when do they schedule their process improvement? You know, that's uh, so always that they can switch project That is templates? a tougher question because, and, and I think Different. we've seen that as well, that when you might start off with the Agile template, for example, when, you know, I need to change this. And so how can I, you know, at real time, change my work item type definitions or my, my process information? And one of the reasons for that is why, why I created the process template editors, because I wanted to edit work items live to say, you know what, I need, I need changes in my process real time. But, but what's the heartbeat of the organization and when should you introduce change to your processes, right? That's, a, that's always been a really tough question. And that depends on whether or not you want to do it on a team basis or an organizational basis. Yeah, uh, and both have different heartbeats, right? Absolutely. I think that uh, it's, a very important, it, it's very important at the end of every iteration yeah, to, to bring your teams together for a retrospective and at least ask two questions. What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah. Or what do you want more of? What do you want less yeah. of? And you can actually go into a process template that's in execution and makes some modifications. Not everything is possible. And, I, and, and we do have to give kudos to Joel because his tool has now made its way into the power tools and it has simplified the life of nice. everyone trying to do process improvement. Kudos Yay. to Joel. Uh, you know, the other a, side of that, of continuous process improvement, <laughs> means that three years down the pipe, I'm going back to Richard's comment, the metrics and the data that I collected back then is going to be less and less relevant because I've now modified my processes a lot that I'm measuring different things. Yeah. It's just going to be that much tougher to, to retrofit. So, uh, Joel, you messed the whole thing up for yeah, me. Yeah, sorry. I had a plan. You know what? I think, but, but I think that's going to happen no matter what, right? If you look three years ago, are you doing the same thing 
today that you were doing three years ago. I hope yeah, not. Right, actually. exactly. And so those, you know, you're going to have these process right. improvements, changes. You're going to try different things. Your team is going to change. You're going to have different people, which yeah. is going to create different, uh, you know, pros and cons. Technology about will so, yeah. change. Right? The technology yeah. will change. Yeah, and I think the advantages so, of continuous so improvement are far outweighing our ability to relate to historical yeah. data. Right. But it and, is something yeah. to keep in mind. There is a consequence sure. to continuously changing our process. Sure. And that is that it's going to be harder and harder to measure backwards. And the right. metrics are there to look to look at, say, you know, look at even with the process changes and the people changes and the and the environmental changes, are we still seeing trends and can we address those trends? And that's why those metrics are so important. And oh, that's which, why well, you what you really want is a graph that says, and this is where we don't suck anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's flip that around. You have one of those too. What, what yeah. if we change our process template? And for 2007, we were doing a specific thing. We just changed in 2008. And all of a sudden, our testing metrics go out of the, out of the roof, go through mm. the roof. I want to know, well, crap, but January of 2008, all of our testing metrics are skewed. Right. What happened? Yeah. Well, we know that what we did before was better. Right. Yeah. So that's the flip side of that. Yeah, but it's going to break it, it. But The other classic one that I, I run into all the time is that all of a sudden, a number of bugs went way up because we improved our measurement of quality right. and realized <laughs> we were letting more bugs go out the door. Now yeah. we're catching them. Yeah. And when I get people complaining, oh, you know, whatever you did to your process ruined everything. There's all these bugs. Yes, we were much better off when we didn't notice them. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's exactly it. Before I, I've actually run into organizations who embrace the zero defect mindset, and to them it was no testing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to know how. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Richard Hunhausen has another question. So I've got a question for each of you. Uh, I'm going to give Doug the hard one. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, since you're wearing the blue shirt. Can I have the dollar now? Yeah, move that over. Uh, so, Doug, externally you guys are espousing Microsoft Solution Framework, but I hear rumors that internally you use Scrum. So I need you to stand by that one. And then for the other panelists, what would you do? Turn it around a bit. What would you do to make Team System more agile? I just want to hear one comment from each of you. Great. Um, so I can talk about my personal experiences. I, I don't have the metrics to tell you across Microsoft what's happening. Um, the team I work on uses Scrum. The, the sister teams to me, the CodeBlex team uses Scrum. A lot of the teams I've talked to uh, in the developer division are using Scrum. So it's definitely uh, a popular trend at Microsoft, and I think people are seeing the value in it. There are still a number of teams who are not, not using Scrum. They're looking at adopting that. Some of them are looking at the MSF stuff and what they're doing with it. You know, Microsoft, like any other organization, is a large organization with a lot of software development teams. So in, in many ways, we experience the same problems and, and same uh, obstacles that many other people face, and that's where we start looking at, okay, how do we make it work better for us, then how can we make it work better for you? So, um, from that standpoint, like I said, I can't answer across the board. We're using Scrum. We find a lot of value in it, and I know a lot of other teams that are. The Agile discussion alias and the, the you know, test-driven discussion alias, those things, hugely popular now. We're seeing rapid growth within Microsoft of people participating in those conversations. So, there is a culture change happening within, within the company. So. How I make Agile more, uh, sorry, uh, Team System more Agile. I've always kind of envisioned that processes are, are much more like a recipe. And what I'd love to be able to do is kind of pick and match what ingredients I want to add in according to what I want to get out of it. And during midstream, I might want to add a bit more salt, might want to add some tomatoes or something like that, and being able to just add to it and adapt my, my, teams, my team very nicely and easily. And then once that's done, flip that around and make that uh, a meta pattern. It's like, you know what, I changed this, this base recipe a little bit, and I've added to it, and I really like that. I'm going to store that in my recipe box mm -hmm. as well and make that available to my teams and provide something that allows us to do that. Steve? 
I think discoverability for me of the of the templates themselves. I think already team system is very very agile or can be agile. Agile again is the mindset. This is simply a tool to make it more agile. I think the discoverability needs to be better. For instance, if I download and I'm running an MSF agile project, reading through the documentation almost leads me to believe that I should do iterations called alpha, beta, and release. Oh, yeah. Now, it doesn't actually say that, but if you, it, it takes reading and digging and pulling into that, and uh, the, the MSF team has been very good at showing me those locations, mm. but I'd like to see those front and center. I'd like to see them be more opinionated in MSF, in Scrum, that says, your iteration is either two weeks or 30 days. You don't have a choice. I, I, I want to see some of those mm. as strong guidance that I then deviate from a la Joel's, mm -hmm. you know, add some salt, add some things. Cool. So I think discoverability of how easy it is to do Agile mm -hmm. from the templates themselves cool. would, would, would help me. Mike. Very good. Both of these were actually very good. But I think the primary thing to make a team system more Agile would be to include my Scrum process. In. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I agree. Nothing, nothing like a little self-promotion here on .NET Rocks. Well, but it's uh, free. He gets the money yeah. from it. It's up on CodeFlex. Well, I think that would just about wrap it up, don't you think? I think so. So uh, I'd like to thank the panel. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And thank the audience. And thank the listeners at home. And we'll see you next week on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a band by the FCC, yes, I'm a, a